Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, as I'm often accused of being, to chat with my guest today, Mr. David Godet. How are you, David? I'm wonderful, Tyler. Thank you for having me. I too am excited. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. I feel like, I don't know, kindred, kindred spirits, uh, brother from another mother, I don't know. When you and I had, uh, I've, I've been familiar with your work for a couple of years. You've reached out to me online. We, we, had a, we had an online relationship, but yet we never met. And classic Calgary, I had... Um, someone on the show and they said, have you met David? I said, no, but I think I should. She's like, I agree and I'm going to introduce you. So Calgary conspires one degree of separation, maybe two at the most to put us together. So I came to know you through the Daily Undoing, your podcast. Uh, I think I started following you on Instagram is where I first come in. I've got your book sitting in front of me that's got some weight to it. I could I could drop it for just sound effects. Like there's been some time and some energy put into this. So David, I'm excited to let you kind of tell us a little bit elevator, give, give us the elevator speech of the Daily Undoing, kind of the book. And let's just talk this conversation about this passion of being better at being human that's clearly kind of the north star for uh, i'm imagining everything you do in your life <laughs> it, it really has become that tyler and it's ironic that that subtitle which seems to be the thing that resonates the most with anybody i mean the daily undoing has kind of a bizarre abstract sound to it what does it mean um where did it come from but um but being better at better being better at being human is, uh, I think, uh, it's it's at least a question for everybody, <laughs> right? So, and ironically, it came to the book um, almost in the in the final seconds before sending it to the printer. Oh, awesome! I had I had all these other subtitles that had to do with competency based this and competency based that, and um, my wife, the wise soul that she has said, does anybody care or give a shit about? competencies do they know what it means and what's so great about this word competency and this was something actually that i had worried about a lot because i i'm teaching this this whole philosophy around competency-based education or competency-based learning and it's not a sexy name i think you'll agree as a as a marketing guy it's a hard one to kind of get people to uh to come rushing to and yet it is what it is and we can go into the anatomy of it but um we, we, we ditched the competency-based blank subtitle and went with being better, being human. And, and that coming to God moment was quite natural because I think she said, again, my wife, my, my best friend and, and also chief editor, uh, said, what are you really trying to do with this book? What is it really about? And those words just came spilling out. And, and that was it. And that's, that is sort of the, the pitch, the elevator pitch, the, 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 what's the book all about? It does admittedly require some explanation after that, but uh, but it's built around these eight behaviors that we all have that we percolate at various times in our life and, and bring to life and jolt into life, but we don't give them regular exercise as we do anything else that we, that we care about. You want to become a better cook, you take cooking class. You want to become a better guitar player, you take lessons. You know, we were talking about snowboarding or motorcycle riding. You know, you want to you want to get closer to being a master in a craft. You you learn, and we all just assume that we're just naturally and acutely curious or you know uh, deep critical thinkers. And the the fact is, if I can use the word fact, I don't really have st statistics to back this up. But the 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 outcome of that thought is that when we need these things, we expect to turn on a tap and. Um, and it will just come freely dispensing out, and it usually doesn't. So that, that to me, competency-based learning or education is this very wide 
methodology of teaching that uses these competencies, but the competencies themselves don't usually get a lot of love. So I took a magnifying glass to to these ones, which I sort of anointed as the pillar eight. Um, you know, there's there's not a universally accepted standard of, of competencies, but at least six of these eight are on just about every one, whether it's from the government of Alberta or OECD or, you know, whatever jurisdiction you want to go to. These are these are those critical future skills. I'm curious, as an educator, I'm, of course, I'm a professional creeper as well. So 17 years and seven months, according to LinkedIn, when it comes to your uh, your, your your position as an instructor <laughs> at SATE. Um Curious, even your own journey, like what we like to peel back a little bit for, for, for they just get it is to also understand the root of it. Like this book took X amounts to write, but it took a lifetime of thinking and being you and living your life. So I'm curious just a little bit, you know, not to get into the, so it was a, it was a, it was a winter day. I was born under the star. I think you said July is your birthday. So it was a summer day. I was born under the salt, whatever, but not going back that far, but thinking about your own journey and your own teachers or people in your life or growing up in a generation where maybe we didn't talk about as much and there was an expectation of like, no, you just should just know that. You should. So I'm just curious how much of this, you know, from your own personal journey to even now with the students and kind of the, your impact and your ability to influence people as on their learning journeys. Is this something that's been brewing for a while that just kind of came out into a book? Or is this something that became much more prevalent to you years teaching and educating and being that influencer in the lives of people that are on, you know, where I'm at, I'm on it. I'm in an educational, I'm in, I'm in academia. I'm looking to learn. I'm just curious, what was chicken, egg, card, horse when it came to this concept for you? There's a lot to unpack there. Um, and there's a few questions baked into that one. And a lot of the things that you said are absolutely true. Um, you know, I'm, I'm unashamed of my advanced years. Uh, I'm going to be 60 this year and um, and feel every bit 59. <laughs> <laughs> right on. At least my body is telling me that. But you know, I, I, I try to uh, I try to live a, a fairly open and, and youthfully uh, motivated life. But you're right. The 60s and 70s were not a time to get into these um, quote-unquote soft skills, which is another thing they're referred to. Yeah. Uh, I think most people who are in this field despise that term, don't know where it came from. They're not soft. They're the hardest skills, actually, to to kind of get your head around. Is it soft because they're they're not as measurable as some might be when we're referring to more technical yeah. and vocational-based things where we can measure a competency on can you run the machine or can you do the calculations? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that probably has a lot to do with yeah. it, Tyler, and also that you know it comes from the world of interpersonal communication, which you know inherently has this uh, this sort of fragile, delicate uh, personality trait kind of characteristic to it. But it is what it is. You can call them what you want, but no, they weren't they weren't widely discussed. I mean, they weren't even a thing in HR until well into the '80s and probably '90s. And I I was just. Uh, when I started to teach, I think one of my first courses that I taught at SAID, actually, now that I think about it, was actually interpersonal communications. And maybe it was then that I started to see that there was kind of a formal field evolving around this. But I, I wouldn't even say that that was, that was it. I think, I think the origin of this, quite honestly, has happened quite recently in my life. And, um, and I think I realized I was putting together a, a kind of a reimagination of the of a marketing textbook with a, a writing partner of mine 
And we were tasked with building a textbook from the ground up. In fact, it wouldn't, wasn't even going to be a textbook. It was going to be an all-digital solution that was going to be stripped down to the absolute essentials that business students needed from a marketing standpoint. And given that, that carte blanche, we said, well, if, if you're going to give us uh, the opportunity to strip away the nonsense and make it real, how about we also weave into these things um, some of the actual professional skills that students need to excel in this or any other field. And um, we, we were calling them professional skills at the time because not, even then, which was probably only about 10 years ago, I wasn't really aware of this terminology of competencies. So so yeah, we took, we came up with a list not dissimilar to the one that I have in this book and we, we wove those into the activities, right? So it was using critical thinking, which consists of, you know, steps A through B, um, put together a SWOT analysis on brand X. And so really emphasizing this this open-mindedness that you require when going into assembling, you know, like a like a SWOT, a business strategy tool. Um, so, so that book was released with, with uh, not a whole lot of fanfare and even less interest as it turns out in the market. The market wasn't ready to embrace anything quite that quite that advanced or, or maybe obscure or abstract but something that was, didn't um, something that didn't follow the pre-ordained groove or track of what it was expected to exactly be. yeah 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 exactly but the, inter but the innovators have the most arrows in their backs as they say and then eventually they have the most um replicators <laughs> or, or imitators i guess yeah, down well, the road I mean, sooner the, or later the, uh, that 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 remains to be seen <laughs> we haven't we haven't more. hit that part of the cycle yet okay i got it i appreciate that's it. right yep. But um, it was it was shortly after that that I started that I had started the Daily Undoing podcast, which at the time was was had no real theme to it. It was sort of I think I was playing around with um, with Amazon and Alexa smart speaker technology and finding it really cool that my kids could uh, beckon Alexa to to have my voice come out of it, and that was sort of a a cool thing and I started to develop Alexa flash briefings as they were called which are just basically mini versions of this and um, and I thought well I got to do these daily because apparently that's what you do on Alexa so it was basically dropping in a little bit of competency a little bit of business a little bit of you know tongue-in-cheek cleverness and poking fun at uh, you know big brands doing stupid things and <laughs> stuff like that um, but by 2020 so the end of 2019 Two or three years into this endeavor, I figured that I better have a some sort of structure or goal. Otherwise, this is just becoming a very time-consuming mm -hmm. hobby. And uh, competencies by that point had become more forefront in my head. And I was beginning to hear a lot from from employers that I knew. As an entrepreneur myself, I could see it. Um, that, that students were being sent into the world from this assembly line of the whole education system with those technical skills, but without a whole lot of focus on those, whatever you want to call them, soft mm. skills or just- I like the term assembly line because, you know, sometimes the assembly line was to put people to be able to work on an assembly line. If you look at some of the roots of the education system and even the military influence there, that, that structure, I've read some things, even talking to some other instructors that say it on the show, talking about, well, we were preparing humans to go work in a certain environment that kind of that no longer exists anymore or has been changed so drastically that we're not necessarily equipping them with everything they need to be successful because it's still hard harkens back to an older, a different time and a different model. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just kind of prophesizing a little bit what I've heard. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that, that is exactly it. And I began to feel like I was part of the problem rather than a solution. Mm -hmm. 
So I went all in on, on competency-based learning as a theme for the daily undoing starting January 1, 2020. And I made a pact to myself that I was now going to do it every day rather than five days. Every day would be a different competency. I came up with this these eight pillars and we can go through the process of selection of those if, if you want. But I came up with these eight and every day would be uh, kind of on a rotation, something new um, with a different action word to display how you can practice these things. So it was, I guess, in, in the crosshairs of my target, I was thinking of my students, but I was also thinking entrepreneurs and I was thinking of businesses and I was thinking of the general public. And and I also said at the time, this is going to be great because I'll do a podcast and at the same time I'll write a book because these little scripts that I come up with will simply be a copy and paste to a manuscript and and um, at the end of 2021 I'll be able to have a book written as well. Well, what I do so I do, I do love I happened. do love the create ones publish everywhere kind of mindset of like well if I'm investing over here what can I leverage that into and I've had a lot read little blurbs on like how to write a book well I'll start by writing a story every day and then it eventually becomes a chapter like that is an interesting strategy as well to like what am I going to have to show for it at the end well if nothing else I can bolt all this together and call it a book so there is a lot of I do really value the strategy of like well we're doing this what else could come from that and just even like that it seems obvious in hindsight but at the time not always <laughs> yeah and honestly because of you know what ended up turning the world upside down in 2020 uh, I had to yeah, there was this little thing pivots. this one this little thing that happened a couple of months after your january first date right yeah and there, this left hook that knocked us all down and then kept kicking us for, for two years <laughs> well and that became the storyline so these these little podcasts that i was doing every day became less about competencies and more about the state of the world and you know uh, what has just happened and how long is this going to last and if you go back and listen to those podcasts it's I wanted to make this book evergreen and yet the content had become so entrenched in 2020 that uh, I, that was one of the pivots that I needed to decide if this is going to be something that is equally relevant in 2026 it is as in 2021 or 22 I, I'm going to have to for lack of a better word, sanitize those scripts so that they're more evergreen. I would imagine though that, that ex and I read some of that in the beginning of your book talking about that decision, but like, how do you sanitize something that's having a profound influence on your on your thinking, on your communication, on the, on the way you're seeing the world? Like that is the experience. Like that's a, that's a tricky balance to go. Oh, all those things that made me think that. Let's pretend like that thing wasn't happening, and then make it make it neutral. Like what, it's like those movies you watch sometimes where something bad happens and somebody builds a time machine to go back and fix it. But every time they fix it, something keeps happening because that's just the cycle. Like that you, you've never would have built a time machine if the thing hadn't happened. I forget the movie, but it just was this constant loop of like the thing was the catalyst and no matter how many times you try to change it you ended up in the same place because the experience could not be removed from your from your your filters of the world so that was an abstract reference i went down there for a second well no but you 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 hit it on the head um and you those words were almost verbatim what came out of um my one of the publishers that i've worked with in the previous project it has become you know, a friend and an advisor, and she said that very thing because I was I came to her with this dilemma because she knew I was going to write this book, and I said I don't know what to do. I've got these scripts that that reference in a, in a kind of in a secondary sense now the importance of collaboration, but the storyline here is all about the world caving in. And I said I think I'm going to have to if I'm going to put out a book, it's going to have to be one or the other. And she said, similar to you, you can't. So that was where I made the decision that I. I 
I wanted to stick to my guns and have this this instructor guide or this workout manual for competencies, but I was not going to detach it from the podcast, which in hindsight, there's all kinds of tangents. We could go down that road, uh, Tyler, in terms of what grief that caused me, but the book is designed to be used optionally with the podcast if you so desire to go down that path because as you know rather than chapters or pages each page or each activity is an episode so it's episode one through 366 and those all live on apple and spotify podcasts so if you really want to nerd out there's that but more people that i've spoken to than than uh than not have just decided to dive into the reading and the work that spoken word of being able to, you know, consume, like when I read a book, I probably, I don't do too many other things at the time. I'd read the book where, you know, the ability to consume content, which we're all, I think, somewhat obsessed with and certainly inundated with, I can listen to a podcast while I'm doing something else. And that's a, that's a leveling up uh, opportunity that I really like <laughs> for my, for my day. Like my audio, my book consumption has increased drastically once I got a Libby member and, and a Calgary library membership. And I'm like, oh man, I can consume content now. Like there's no, like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> so I think we've made the audience wait 17 minutes and um, we probably should have started with the, with the eight competencies rather than like, we've really kind of buried the lead here a little bit, but I'm going to read them out and I love to unpack some of these a little bit, but some of them again, seem obvious as words we've all heard. But again, what do then do they really mean in this concept of competency-based learning, curiosity, creativity, problem solving, collaboration, communication, character, which is one of one of the ones that makes me the most curious, which is now I'm self-serving number one, uh, citizenship as well. And then critical thinking. Are these in any type of an order? Because I read them out as they were listed in the book. Like, is one a foundation for the next and, and so on? Or how does that, as a linear thinker, is there some structure here or is it just a list? Um, well, personally, I would I would put curiosity at the top of the hierarchy. And, and I think I refer to it that way in the in the book. That To me, it's the gateway to all competencies is, um, is curiosity. And strangely enough, Tyler, it is... It is um, absent on any other list of competencies you'll find just about anywhere and i and that's not because i'm super you know uh, intelligent or or insightful and everyone else isn't it's because i think most people the the problem is it's inherent in in the the absence of curiosity on those lists is that we just assume that it's omnipresent and so well it's sort of like well what do you mean that's not a competency that's just the way we are well are we are we really do you remember being genuinely and innocently curious? In, we're curious when motivated. We're curious about mortgage rates when we're buying a house, or we're curious about, you know, why our motorcycle is leaking oil, or why we, you know, when we when we need something, we're super curious and we turn it on. But, you know, th those days of looking at a butterfly on the ground and just staring, you know, absent of anything else going on around mm -hmm. you and losing yourself in how that works and how do they stay afloat and why is it going so slow and what's it, what's it really pursuing? And all of those things that probably happened when we were three don't happen anymore. We, you know, we've had that squeezed out of us. We've been motivated by to-do lists and and um, Google search buttons and things like that. I think you made the reference in here. I'm just trying to find where I read it, but I can't, but it doesn't matter. You know, there's a difference between having to solve a problem and just being just being uniquely and like at its purest sense curious about something. My, my motorcycle is leaking oil. Well, geez, now I'm motivated because of this perceived problem to be curious about the cause. I liked how you made that different. That clarified it for me. I was like, oh, I'm always curious. I'm like, hmm. 
I'd say 80% of the time it's driven by me being curious to solve something or get something or get somewhere with it, not just for the sake of its own essence. I thought that was a really unique differentiator. It, it resonated with me for sure. I'm like, oh, I'm super curious. I'm like, well, wait a second. Probably 80% of the time it's problem solving curiosity, 100%. <laughs> Well, sure. And how curious have we all been over the past two years about, you know, how to protect ourselves from this and what masks work best and, what, you know, the efficacy of vaccines and, you know, all of these things we've been super curious. But and I, I think the critic or the cynic might ask, well, OK, but what's the upside of, of wasting, spending all that time being curious about inane things? And I, and I think there's a there's an activity I get my some of my students to do in, a, in one of my courses on innovation. And that's just to go and sit somewhere on campus alone with a notepad, not, a, not your phone, mm. not a laptop, a notepad with a pen and observe the minute, take note of the mundane, listen, smell, see. And, and it's amazing how the most um, hardened, cynical, you know, athlete, macho students will, will deliver some of the most profound findings on that exercise. Because I asked them to do it, to report back on it in a video. <laughs> and I used one of those students as an exhibit for a conference that I spoke at last year. And I said, this is what, this is what can happen when you, when you focus on curiosity. So to go back and to answer your question, to me, that's the most important. It's the gate. If you're not curious, you're not going to be able to improve your communications, your collaboration, your critical thinking, and so on. After that, I don't think there's any um, real hierarchy or sequence. And, and the other thing, too, to keep in mind is they, they, never, they never happen in isolation. Mm -hmm. They are always, yeah. you know, eight pinballs in a machine bouncing off one another. And one triggers this while the other triggers that. And you're hard-pressed to find out where one actually came from, only to find out that they're all connected. <laughs> Do you get any resistance with students or with anybody when you say, you know, like creativity can be a can be a hot button for certain people? And then you got critical thinking, which maybe the person who doesn't like the word creativity really likes the word critical thinking. And I think about, you know, my friends who are creative by nature and by what they by what their output is. I want to be careful on even how I'm phrasing it. And then I have my a couple uncles that are, you know, engineers and the word creativity almost is dismissed by them to a certain extent. So and I'm I'm being really broad brush for the sake of for the sake of the question but out of these words and i just maybe picked one are any of them are any of them hot buttons like do you get the well what do you mean by create creativity or is there any ones more than others that that it, it, um, elicit a response <laughs> good or bad or indifferent um i don't think there's any um i don't think there's been any argument over you know their their quote-unquote worthiness to be on a list like this um those, those two that you mentioned are perceivably in in kind of in conflict with one another. Could right? be. Critical You've got them far apart they on the are. list, so they've got some room to breathe. <laughs> yeah, and yet you would find you you would find how they complement one another if you really dug down deep. And, and I think I talk about that in the book as well. And I, I spoke on that topic also in a some engagement that I did recently. But one thing that came up today. Um, as, as luck would have it, this week has been a, a very busy week for talking about the book with people like you. And I was talking awesome. to a group of um, teachers in Kentucky, um, and they've, they've actually stumped me. The, the session opened up with them asking me what was my least um, effective or, or um, proficient competency. 
And I'd never been asked that. I've been asked a lot what I thought my strength was. And in fact, on my website, you can go and do your own. What's your sharpest competency quiz? So I've I've focused a lot on what we do best, but I've really never examined the what you know what it's I. A, it's a great. It's a great. It's a great question. It's kind of an interview question, right? What's your strength? What's your weakness? Yeah, it's a good question. Mm -hmm. It's it's it, it became I became the interview uh, the interview. I like how they put you back on your heels right away. I, I do a, I do have respect for the for whoever put that question forward. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel so, I need to sharpen so, up my questions here, David. I got to put you back. <laughs> You've already been beat up no, a bit today. Great. I think we could just have a good old chat. <laughs> yeah, no, you're great. I, I answered problem solving. I didn't have a whole lot of time to think about it, but I, I, I was thinking about it driving home, and I, th I think you know it's probably accurate. Certainly, my wife would uh, concur. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but but what came up with with those people were uh, this was citizenship, and. Um, and critical thinking now, come to think of it. Of, of the group that were assembled, those were the ones that, because we had to go around the table and say, well, if I'm going to tell me you're mine, then you have to tell me 100%. Yours. That's, that's only fair. That's only thinking. fair. It's, that's right. And, and it's amazing how that too. So curiosity, character, and citizenship are really on, on very few of these lists. And again, that's not that my list is superior. I'm, I'm, I am curious as to why they'd be left out, but citizenship and, and character and curiosity. So the citizenship um, question and, and discussion came about by the person who had actually invited me to this um, session. And she was full on admitting, almost confessional like, you know, I thought that I am a good citizen, that I. I'm giving an open-minded and charitable and generous and and fair and uh, all of these things that that you talk about and and uh, provide exercises on. But what I found is that I haven't spent enough time thinking about it. Hmm. And that was that as so many things have been since I've had this book out, it was cathartic to me because to me too that. Uh, it, it became very obvious and shamefully profound to me that citizenship was something that I myself needed to sharpen a bit last spring when we in Canada started to discover en masse all of these uh, these grave sites of our indigenous people. Mm. And and I and I thought to myself, and, and I think the first of those discoveries happened within a week of George Floyd's anniversary sorry to get all dark on you here but no no i appreciate it. this is about having real conversations and there was some dark time yeah, there were some really dark periods that you're right it never every day there was like we hadn't even processed the one in the, the the one awareness or becoming aware of something and then all of a sudden something else came that all fit in a bucket of like whoa we need to really review everything about who we thought we are and were and all those oh, things yeah, yeah. I, Absolutely. That was a rough. That was a rough stretch for a lot of people, and uh, and I would say I was, mine was just more a, a, a crisis of like, wait a second, I I really don't, I haven't really not put any thought into this. I really don't know if I even have a position. Uh, so I would say I was, you know, compared to some groups that were much more deeply affected by some of those incidents that you mentioned. Yeah, well, and that it was it was her words who said I. I thought, and I think I'm a good person, but I, I discovered that I don't really think about these things. And uh, to me, that was like, bam, I wish I would have written that in the book somewhere because it's the thinking about citizenship. And when, when those things were happening last spring, so the, the spring of 2021, I started to think, you know, where was I? Like, I, this is not something I can blame on, uh, you know, people in Germany 80 years ago. This, this was happening... 
under my watch. The last residential school closed in 1996, and you know I was born well before that. So, you know, and I had certainly been witness to the plight of our indigenous people, and you know, like so many of us privileged, middle-aged white guys, um, you know, chose instead to, you know, whatever words you want to use, accept it as normal or view it as lucky and unlucky, you know, whatever it was. And I, I really dug deep on that, Tyler, and I, and I still am. And it's not, it's not so much driven by, you know, guilty conscience, although that's there. It was also, I got to think about this, like what, what kind of a world do I want to be a part of? And as, as again, a guy in his 60s with two young kids, what kind of a world do I wish for them? Because they're the ones that are inheriting all of this stuff. So, you know, the citizenship bucket is twofold. It's, it's obviously social challenges like that, that, that I, sometimes I don't think we're any further ahead than we were 200 years ago or 50 years ago. And of course, there's the big environmental issue as well. And I think so the citizenship um, competency means thinking about those things and how you can contribute in your own way to to changing your own behavior. It sounds trite, you know, be the change. We'll, be the change we'll, we'll you want to see. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we, we've yep. heard the statement. Yep. So there's one. There's a, a, a catchy, a catchy phrase is different than uh, adopting it to your life. And how much of these things, like what you, you hear you talking about, citizenship resonates a lot with me because there was a lot of my own journey of like, whoa, wait, wait a second. I'm not racist, but am I anti-racist? What does that actually mean? And I've had some people on the show to help me very openly and publicly go like, hey, there's other people that are probably on this journey. I'm just willing to admit that I'm on it and kind of be humble and put myself out there. And it was a great experience and having the platform to do that. But again, not this is not, a, I can learn from the past, but I can only change how I am in the future. There's trends in our society and there's levels of awareness that just weren't there in 1985 when I was in grade six or whatever the thing was that are now like that concept of citizenship that seemed like such a fringe concept. And I'm certain people were, were very globally minded back then of an inclusiveness of all. But I do find there's things that have just trended in a different direction that it is very hard to judge the past when some of these criteria like you would have had to work pretty hard to even have it on your on your on your on your preview and that's not an excuse i'm just trying to analyze it for the now versus then which is almost impossible to do i know <laughs> no but you're right you're right i think we you, you can get bogged down in 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 the guilt you know and yeah. mm -hmm. in how did we go wrong and what was my part in it and i think owning that in some small way you contributed to something you know that is that is current to to the way we live today mm -hmm. owning just you know okay you know i i have been a part of this turning a blind eye or not paying attention or not being curious right yep. the interlinkages again have have in some small way contributed to this but as you say what kind of a future do i want to build and so let's not rather than rather than dwell on the deficiency let's dwell instead on on uh, what we what what gifts we have. Let, to let's not do that again, shall we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I reserve the right to have different um, behaviors tomorrow than I did yesterday, based on based on what I learned. What I learned today. Uh, curious, and, and we're going way down the road. I've obviously, as an educator, being around students at at a certain you know place in their life where there's there's influence to be had. But you've made a reference a couple times about being a dad with two young daughters. 
how much if this, has this become more of a life pur- purpose? Because I just hear that purpose and that drive that this is just, well, I, of course I have to do this because there's no other option. Like I just, someone's got to do it. But I can only imagine being a dad has only driven that home more. And I'm not, I'm a puppy dad. So I know it's completely different, but it's relatively new for me. And uh, it gives me glimpses. So uh, the, my audience is like, what are you referencing, Tyler? You're, you know, it, I can only imagine it's driven this even deeper into your soul <laughs> to be really blunt. <laughs> I, I've seen the photos of you and your puppy, uh, your puppy dad, dumb, and uh, I think it's true and authentic. To me. Uh, <laughs> my heart is my heart is not my own anymore, David. I have to tell you. <laughs> no kidding. No, I mean when you when you when you, I guess take on the responsibility of of guiding the life of someone or something else. In the, I mean, let's not trivialize the the nature of pet ownership either, because that can go woefully wrong too. I mean. Taking on the responsibility of some other life form, let's just leave it at that, is 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 all about owning something and being accountable for something. So with me and my, my daughters, um, you know, uh, for sure, as I've seen them grow and as I've seen this sort of parallel escalation, or maybe it's more a parallel awareness of the the, the shit storm that we've- How, 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 old, your do- how old are your daughters, just for context? Uh, twelve and sixteen. Oh, so the world around around the time when, when this, whenever this podcast will be heard, they'll be in that range. Yep. So, um, twelve and sixteen. So yeah. So v- very aware of the world of the world around them more and more and more every day. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. and much more than than either you or I would have uh, been at uh, that age, guaranteed. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I write about them in the book. They're always in my mind. And, and um, as I said, after I've, I launched the book, I started to really look at all of these competencies and 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 say, what, how much of this made for a good podcast episode or a good activity on a page? And how much of this am I actually doing? And mm-hmm. I really, like, I, I just, I felt like I needed to sharpen up on all of these, not just for the betterment of my community and whether that's Calgary or, or the planet, but I needed to show them that, that I wasn't going to de- neglect their future. Mm-hmm. Right. There's only so much I, I can do, but I wasn't going to be neglectful of that. And, um, you know, in many ways they've taught me as well. They're all, they'll be the first to go and turn off the water when I'm brushing my teeth. Right. <laughs> dad, make sure that dad, yeah, uh, exactly. dad, <laughs> Yeah, so it's a great little cycle of um, of uh, little enforcements that we have in the Godet house. <laughs> I love, I love it. Well, leading by example isn't the best way; it's the only way. As 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 they as they as I've I've read, I think it was a football coach I read that from. But uh, such an interesting opportunity to. Uh, well, I'm going to bring it back to the title. This isn't about being better at being a teacher. This isn't about being better at being a dad. This is being better about being human. And I'm a human in all aspects of my life, but yet show up differently. And I love separating this, like you know, competency based learning. It's easy. It's easy to make the mistake of go. Oh well, that's going to happen when they go to school. What I'm hearing of no, no, no. Like this is right from like these could also be look a lot like family values too. In my opinion, if I want to like maybe overgeneralize, but we value these things in the way that we live our life as a family. And yes, as it pulls it through our education system, I don't feel like there's any start or stop to where these need to live. I guess is what I'm saying from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully. Anybody who catches wind of this podcast or takes an interest in in picking up the book or or in in any way looks at these competencies within the context of this book or anything else understands the need for these things to be 
to be spotlighted and exercised and worked upon, um, that, that's a win. That's that's a small win. Mm. And what you said, though, about they'll learn these in school, that too was part of the problem is because I never taught this stuff. I Look, I'm like you. My Well, I shouldn't say like you because you've been a million different things. But <laughs> I, I, my, communications career, has been the career, constant career, it's, it's a, I call it eclectic. I call it eclectic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't have the diverse background as you, but it, you know, I've jumped around from from broadcasting to to oil and gas consulting to um, you know to teaching and, and brand management, and but communications has been a thread through all of that. But I never really have. I never got down to this granular level when I'm when I'm teaching courses on communications. It's say. You know, problem solving is left up to randomness, right? There's mm. there's a group project and somebody isn't playing well, so you know you're you're you feel compelled to go in and and kind of shake things up. All of this stuff happens like it does in life, ad hoc. We don't teach the oh, look. We've got critical thinking um, courses at State. I've taught them. I know there's there's critical thinking courses in most post secondary. Um, but like so many other parts of our education system, it's it's more about memorization than it is about actual mm-hmm. doing that. That's a really interesting. And so that's the, yeah. that's the problem. I can I memorized a lot of things in school that I didn't really learn. <laughs> mm. I was a good memorizer yeah. <laughs> until the real well, until the real the, thing shows up, and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I don't know actually how to do the thing. Mm. And some, it's yeah. very rarely that conscious. I remember once uh, as a my earlier career as a pilot, I went to fly a certain do a certain exercise and. I'd memorize the steps, which was, it's easy to do that in that world because it's a bit checklist oriented. And then all of a sudden I, I kind of encountered a situation that wasn't the steps in the exact order. And I remember that feeling of like, oh, wow, like after the fact, after you kind of get out of it and don't die and, or put yourself in a, in, or someone else in harm, you go, whoa, I didn't really know what I was doing. And that was, I remember that was a humbling moment. Like that was, oh, I, yeah. Once I, you're back on the ground and you can, and you can have that, have that feeling because there's no time to necessarily have it when you're up there. They say you're better to be on, what, what is it? You're, you're better to be on the ground wishing you're in the air than in the air wishing you're on the ground. And but it was that moment yeah, of like, I mean, oh that, wow, I actually really didn't know what I was doing, even though I had the procedure down pat. I didn't really understand it, and it could have it could have created a much worse outcome than it, than it did. But I still remember that day it hit me, and I was like, oh wow, like I need to start learning and stop memorizing. <laughs> That's an excellent analogy, and I and I think that it it. it um, it runs parallel to so much of how we live, right? Is that um, we do things instinctively. You know, we, we we grow up knowing, of course, uh, you know the the very basics. Uh, you know, walking and getting on a swing and riding a bike and you know putting on our clothes and so on and so forth. And um, and they become so automatic that they're just done. And I think we just assume those th- same things happen with with speaking. Hmm. Like you can you can use the same form of speaking and listening no matter what the situation is and who you're speaking with or listening to problem solving we just we live in sort of a templated world right where there's there's just sort of a oh, this calls for the collaboration template let's pull that out and fit it onto this situation right? it's it's like your memorization from your from your piloting days the world is going to throw you a curveball at every waking moment so and this book is not going to solve every any problem right. it just i think i think what it what i hope to do with it is is just make people more self-aware and better prepared um so that you know so that maybe they can 
nudge the needle a little bit more forward from day to day? Yeah, I, you know, I certainly, this is a toolkit. This is, you know, you might sharpen one and then you focus on another. And how deliberate, you know, thinking of my golf swing, do you learn one at a time and focus on it that way? Like, I guess if I'm going to look at this now, I love you. You've used, this is a workbook. This is a workout. This is a training plan. You've said a few words that, that resonate with me that way. From your perspective, and I and it's laid out kind of, you break them down. But is it go down the list, find the one that resonates with you and just work on that, like be deliberate about it? Because anything more than one can be overwhelming. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, eight. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't process that much information. Is it pick one and then focus on that and really get comfortable with it and then pick another one? What's your, and I guess everybody will do it differently, but what's your, since I've got the, te- since I've got the teacher on the, on the line, how would you recommend I actually attack this, this, this group of eight? Yeah, well, again, it's it's echoing some of the conversation that came up earlier, um, and um, and much as I confess that perhaps, and it's it's becoming more and more evident with every word I speak that problem solving might have been my my weakest competency, and and part of problem solving is not just preparedness and and again having this template uh, to to roll out steps one through six whenever you hit some sort of a. a a crisis. I think it's also preventative and um, and being able to foresee unforeseen circumstances and kind of fleshing out all the unexpected consequences of, of, of your actions and your, your words and so on. And so you're asking me a question of how to use this book and my answer to you quite shamefully is um, it's kind of up to you. I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> And I admit David, honesty is my fa- honesty in a conversation is my favorite flavor. So that's all good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it started- <laughs> you could have bullshit me, and I would have probably bought it. <laughs> uh, you're probably not. I'm not <laughs> I, I, but I am. Yeah. I'm building courses around it. If that, if that. Helps, okay. Well, because again, in our linear framework structure, like driven world, where do I, what do I do next? Is there a course I can take? Is there a, you know you already said there's an assessment on your website. You can do those types of things. I do find that we are. We have been conditioned to follow that kind of approach to learning something. I, I certainly have. I'm like, well, where do I sign up? Who's the, who, how can I get an instructor? Like, mm. I've realized this later in life, I won't, I won't fumble with much. I'll just find somebody who knows it better than me, and I'll get in touch with them, and I'll try and learn it from them. Uh, I've learned that the hard way, but I've reached a point that, that is the fastest way usually to get over that, like, oh, okay, now I can start figuring out my own path. But those first few steps, a little bit of guidance goes a long way, I believe, for me anyways. No, no doubt. I'll just backtrack real quick because I didn't want to leave that that last question um, underwhelmingly uh, empty and vacant. <laughs> I was going to let you off the hook, the, David. I was going to let you go. <laughs> no, no. But the the book, the book, there was intentionality to the to the book design, and that was, I think, I mentioned that I had these eight pillars. Mm-hmm. I was never going to have the same competency on back-to-back days because now I'm thinking in podcast mode. Every yep. day needs to be a different competency every day of the year is going to be a different action word. And so there's going to be a sense of, of a cross training type of mentality to bring up the gym um, metaphor again, right? This is, you're going to work out one body part this day and cardio another day, and you're going to get a full deal when you go through all this. And I exported that to the book. And so if I were to be honest, the book was designed to be a January one to December 31st, kind of reflective self-awareness building journal yeah, in which okay, you nice. go through and get an even dosage of all these things. But, you know, it, it didn't come out at the beginning of 2021 as I had hoped. And I, I tried kind of a, a lame push to, to, to get it into the, into the 2022 um, personal journal rush. Uh, 
not very successful with that either, but that's another story. But now that it's out and it's being used almost randomly, I, um, I, I, I did want to reel it back in and say, okay, what? how else can I repurpose this so that it can be used um, in, in different ways? And that has led me to the development of some, some courses and, and the, the vision um, and I'm working with uh, with Margo, and you've had her on one of your podcasts as well. That's who conspired to put us on this podcast right now, I believe. Yeah, it was Margo. Exactly. Yeah, Margo Purcell so from Inception, Inception U. Great episode. I'd like to self plug it. I would. I love what they're doing over there. So that's a whole. Yeah, go check it out. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, and it would be it would take someone like Margo and Inception U to embrace this. You know, this 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 educational idea, this possibility that that they've built over there to do things differently. Um, it, it takes someone without, without rules and, um, and guidelines to, to embrace something like this and say, despite the fact that we've so far become known in this community as, as kind of this, um, this, this fast track tech upskilling, Marco's going to hate me for using any of these words, but if, if we've, if we've made a dent, it's because, you know, we're able to reskill or upskill or, or bring, um, a whole workforce into this decade um, with what we can teach them with full, full stack development and design. It would it would take a Margot and an Inception you'd say, but you know what? All these competencies matter in that mix, right? So I don't know. I, I read an article with an interview with her in the Herald, and uh, this was a couple of years ago, and she talked about competency-based learning, and I immediately looked her up and fired off just an email and um, the next thing, we were on a Zoom call, and uh, some months later, she had a copy of my book. And soon after that, we were talking about how to turn this book into courses. And so we will be um, piloting the kind of the overview, being better at being human, A to Z, to, uh, to, to some of our current, or Inception use current student, students this spring. But the vision is to bring a full-fledged deep dive into each one of these competencies in in connected courses. Oh, amazing! Um, mm. in, in coming months, so I'm super excited about that. And that, to me, Tyler is is I think where something like this can really start making a dent because I think we're going to be targeting kind of that B two B space with that, and and um, you know something that that uh, you've told me about your agency working with with organizations and. Uh, having impact on the world through your work at an organizational level, I think, you know, it's, it's two ways of impacting. Hmm. You can impact people through consu through consumption, through consumers, or you can impact them through something that has more of a scale to it. Um, and, and strategically brilliant on Inception use part. They, they want to go that route and say, if we can bring this to a team of 18 by indicating to one person how valuable it is, then 18 people will be hooked up with this this framework as opposed to selling it once. Well, it's such an opportunity. I think there's a, there's a hunger, there's an appetite, there's a need for companies to like, we got to do it differently. <laughs> what is it that we got to do differently? Yeah, every, yeah, we got to do it differently because the demands, the pressures, the, the speed of change, the level of innovation, all these things are exciting until they're running over your organization and your people. And if we don't have the skills to adapt to 
the the bullets that are flying in are not to make you know war analogies, but like a lot of companies feeling are feeling under attack by the pace of change and all the all the different factors that are affecting us. And but ultimately, it's still a bunch of humans all jammed together to do a thing. I love the idea because you you like the scope and scale and the reach that you can get by touching an organization and then and then to watch what they then can do because of it. That's pretty exciting from a force multiplier perspective for you. I'm I'm assuming that that's a, that's a great way to level up these and actually move a lot of needles at different places at the same time. I bolted way too many buzzwords together there. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. That's buzzword bingo for this, the corporate swear jar runneth over with all that bullshit I just threw. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're stoking the, I mean, you're, you're reaffirming what I'm kind of hoping. So to hear it out loud, spoken by someone else. Um, yes, I mean, uh, checking all those boxes and, and, and just so thrilled to to have, as I said, and I, I never leave Inception here without just genuinely thanking Marco and saying, you know, I don't know what made you, what pulled you to this, but you, something did and were alike. And um, I think one of... The thin air lab mantras is is, uh, is unlike minds, which which I kind of like as well. But in this case, we're definitely like minded, and and we just want to um, you know to do our part. And we have you've met Margot, you've you've spoken to her, and you can get sucked into a three hour conversation based upon a fifteen minute proposal. She's very inspiring, she's very inspiring, very passionate absolutely. lady. Are you seeing a pull towards you know? I, I, I'm, I'm, and this could be incorrect, but I, you know, she's not your traditional. It's not your traditional uh, post-secondary academic environment. You mentioned today you were talking to a school down in Kentucky. Uh, is there a challenge, or like? Academia is being forced to change as well because they're they're filling the funnels of all these organizations and everyone's trying to figure out who needs what and how do we get the knowing that the technical skill is going to change ten times between when you start your 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 academic career and when you get to the workforce laying down these these um, these competencies makes a lot of sense. Are you seeing the same type of rush or like? need like this drama this driving pace of change inside post-secondary as well or is it more organizations like Margo's where they're a little bit more on the fringe and maybe they're not as hamstrung by the well that's not the way we've always done it kind of my mantra that exists I think it's dying but it does exist out there no question mm -hmm. oh there's I think there's definitely um concern at a macro level you know higher education globally um, at a micro level with, you know, some of the storied um, colleges, you know, from, from our little Southern institution at Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, um, you know, celebrating its centennial of the campus this year, you know, all the way to the Harvards of the world. I think there's, there's, there should be grave concern about the change and, and, um, and I know there is. I, you know, I, I work with very conscientious people at Satan. I don't think there's many post-secondary institutions that 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 look blindly at this or delusionally at this and think that um, that we couldn't all be blockbuster at at some point mm -hmm. in time. Um, but but you're right. When when you are that grounded and entrenched in history in a way of doing something, it. it sometimes change can can happen way too slow. And mm -hmm. but it's the whole ecosystem. It is, and it's you know, it's the parents who still believe that sending their kids to college is the best thing to do, no matter what the college, and in some cases, just because of the brand name uh, of the college, yeah, that's one. <laughs> this is a good way for us right. to work in the as brander as brand marketers, and that's a real thing. Doesn't mean it, you know. There's a lot of mm, currency being traded on that maybe isn't isn't 
isn't any longer valid. The currency has been devalued in it, but the brand still is holding strong. <laughs> well, yeah, and you look at how we've all adjusted in these last two years, and um, you know we've had the technology since long before 2020. We just were forced to use it to the extent that we have, and now we've we've really kind of, you know, through through no intention of our own, but in a way maybe a good um, exposure of of some of our weaknesses that we're not nimble that we're not agile hmm. and when i yeah. say us i'm 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 in there i mean yeah. look i'm i'm employed by this by this machine and have been in I'm, I'm grateful for it it might be one of those things that has been been gnawing at me as well so how can i how can i be a part of some sort of evolution in education competency based learning is a whole methodology that's gaining a lot of traction but that in and of itself isn't changing things. I heard a really shocking uh, revelation by Jen, um, uh, I don't know if I should say Zetter or Zier, someone who's that younger cohort. She was on a podcast. Okay. And she said, and I can give you her information too because she's brilliant. And she said, um, why, now she has a degree, so she's not she's not being cynical about post-secondary. She, she got her degree at 18. She's this prodigy. Okay. She said, why would I enroll and invest four years of my life knowing that I'm going to be drawing information from a textbook that's six years old when I can go and get as up to speed with the world around me on a three-minute TikTok video? <sighs> it's a fair argument. <laughs> that's a mic drop. Yeah. And she was dead serious. And I, and I was listening to this and I thought, wait a minute, TikTok? Come on. Kids dancing, no way. And um, and then the interviewer challenged her on it as well. And she said, "No, you, you, you see, that's the problem. You guys, meaning yeah. us, yeah. us native digitals, which was the theme of the the podcast. You have no idea how we how we roll and and how we learn and um, you know what what inspires us and what triggers our thoughts. You just don't and." I guess in the past, Tyler, we might have been able to say, "Well, they'll grow out of it. They'll they'll soon don the shirt and tie and you know business attire, and they'll they'll get with the program." But the, the difference now is that they're bigger than us. That that cohort is bigger than us. We, me as a baby boomer would would prance around the last few decades, chest puffed out. You know, the biggest demographic walk in the face of the planet. We wag the tail. So now it's not us anymore. I mean, first of all, we're dying. There is that, like, you know, can't, yeah, that. yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, demographically, that's happening and we're tiring. But they are statistically the biggest cohort. So guess who's going to be in charge and calling the shots? And, and so I think any organization that has relied on a 19, you know, whatever, 1940s model of doing anything and thinks that it's going to continue um, you know, has, has got to get, you know, a wake-up call. I mean, 1940 is an eternity ago. I mean, we we talked about Blockbuster earlier on. I mean, that, that happened in a nanosecond. Yeah, can, the coming yeah. and going of a brand like that. And, it, you know, this this resting on laurels and looking down on your empire. I mean, we've we all got to wake up, don't you think? 100%. Well, I think if we don't, some, it'll we'll get woken up, you know what I mean? 
you can sleep through your house burning down, but eventually it's going to catch up with you kind of thing, you know? And I think that uh, we've all read yeah. the stats of the amount of companies, how long a company used to be on the Fortune 500 versus how many companies have, have, have vanished off the Fortune 500 in the last 15 years. And I don't, I used to be, I used to have the stats from a presentation I used to do, but I, I don't have them anymore, but it's fast and it's not, and it's kind of scary when you look at it at, at, at face value. But it's such a poses, such a philosophical conversation to me of around how much we cling on to these institutions. And I'm not speaking of uh, academic institutions, just the in institutional thinking. This is the way we've always done it. I don't care what it is versus, you know, we are where we are in the world because we've always innovated and always get better. But these things, these things have gotten so big that they, their own weight and their own, this is the way we've always done. It takes over versus the innovation that got, that allowed that in that institutional idea to disrupt when it disrupted 60 or 70 years ago. But now it's inability because of its brick and mortar and its prowess and it's all the things and its shareholders to get out of the way of the next round of innovation. It's interesting because somewhere or someplace that was an innovative idea that's just stuck around too long. <laughs> and, but our inability to let it go and in the place of something new because we're so bought into it and that's maybe fear of change. I, it's so many things. Sometimes we're just too invested, the whole sunk cost fallacy. Like so many of these things play in to the fact this is what's always happened. Why are we, why do we fight it so much? But yet we do, <laughs> or certainly we are right now. I wasn't, I wasn't around when a lot of these things disrupted 80 years ago and changed the world post World War II. Just, you know, you say the 40s, you can't think of that without thinking what the world went through and how much change happened after that. It's always been like this, but yet, man, we're dig we dig in our heels and pretend like it's it, it shouldn't be. I, I find that, you know, that was a lot of philosophical nonsense a little bit, but man, it's very real. And man, we hold on to things. No, it's, it's absolutely true. And I think, it's crazy. That, you, mm. you know, I think we're, we're both in agreement that, um, you know, bad things happen when you're asleep at the wheel. <laughs> sometimes I, your, house, sometimes your house burns down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, I... I'm part of this. I'm part of this institutionalization of. Um, sorry, that's my email things going off. Um, I mean, life is still happening even while we're doing this podcast. What? Yeah. Why? What? How dare, oh, dare they? <clears throat> um, I, I'm part of it, and uh, and I have been part of it for a long time, and I've earned a living out of it. But I I I don't think that that should make any of us feel like we're somehow untouchable or. Um, Some might say that's the exact reason you need to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess you know I'm thinking about your book. I'm thinking about my, the competencies. But what, what what I'm ending up thinking about is like, wow, where are the blind spots in my life where I'm doing that thing that we're both ranting about right now that I don't even see? And that's the scary stuff because we've all got the shadow and the blind spot and like, oh no, I'm really you know I'm really in tune. Oh, what about that? You're like, oh geez, geez I hadn't looked at that. That that self reflection, that curiosity of in your own life of just sitting in that space. I love the the, the exercise of just sit there with a notepad and just let your thoughts and observe what's happening in your own life and where some of those blind spots might be that when you're going at the pace of the world we live in you just breeze right by it because things get blurry at 60 70 mile an hour they get really blurry at 200 mile an hour but uh, you know that's <laughs> not to harken back to the earlier part of our, of our conversation but how much are we going through our lives at those high speeds packing in as much stuff doing as much things and being blind to a lot of the stuff you and i are talking about right now that i don't think anybody would disagree with that we should be aware of but are but are we it's kind of where I'm ending up at the end of uh, as we as we move towards the end of this. Uh, what's become a very a great philosophical chat on a Friday after on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it too. And you know that this very thing, um, you know, putting down devices. Although of course we're using technology, but aside from that, 
you know, imagine us on a park bench somewhere and just having the same conversation. We, we, we could stand to do more of this as a, as a community, right? And, um, it, and, and without, without agendas and without a PowerPoint uh, deck of to-dos, you know, we could stand to do more. And I know that that just goes, that just goes against our instinct. I'm, I'm as bad, probably worse than most, and having to feel like I've looked back on a day and I've done enough stuff. So stuff, you know, sitting stuff, down and doing this stuff, hundred percent. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> I'm addicted yeah. to doing stuff and things for sure. Who am I competing with? Really, is a real question. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but yet I always am. I always feel like you know. I'm like, oh, just one more thing. I can squeeze one. I can squeeze one more thing in, and you know. But yeah. back to your conversation about you know, we are two old old white guys having this conversation. And if I got my nephew and your 16 year old daughter and my nephew's 18, and we got them on the call, are they are they seeing that that hamster wheel we've put ourselves on and laughing at us, or are they falling into their own version of it? And you know, what what does that look like? And that's just it's 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 very hard to have that perspective when you're when you're not there those aren't the set eyes i have to look at the world mm -hmm. no and i certainly don't either but if i'm curious if i'm curious though that's a good start from that's a good start to the to, to, to understanding it that's the gateway tyler you got <laughs> i love curiosity is a gateway drug david thanks so much for coming on we can we could easily go another hour but i feel this is a good point to kind of put a nice little bow on it um the Daily Undoing, listen to... Are you still are you still doing it right now? Sorry, still doing The Daily Undoing. Is the podcast still live right now? Oh, you know, that's that's the worst part is um, I stopped at the end of 2020 so that I could work on the okay, book. That's, the yeah, book I, 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 thought it had, I thought it had gone on pause as, as a fan. Yeah, I was pretty sure. No, it, it, was, it was on pause. And it was only going to be a, a week, then a month. And uh, in September, I put out a little teaser because I was working on a podcast project with one of my classes. And I was, I was absolutely sure that this was going to get a reboost, a reboot yep. in uh, before the end of last year, and it didn't. I I crave it. I mean, mm -hmm. when I listen to your podcasts and just doing this with you and and seeing how much you enjoy it, and you know, it, it's I don't want to over, you know, exaggerate the the importance, but I think there's there's definitely dopamine in doing this kind of stuff and being hundred percent being the chief and champion of your own topics it's you know and and you're doing good work and and there's an ecosystem there i don't think we'll ever have too many podcasts as long as we're all adding value and i miss it a lot so well i'm going to so uh, i'm going to i'm going to put a vote for get 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 back at it because you know the world doesn't need more podcasts but yet the world needs more people sharing their views and inspiring other people and giving people an opportunity to think about something a little bit different than they did before and someone gets off any of my podcasts and goes huh Never thought about that that way. Or, oh, I might go check that out. Boom, to me, that's a success. Like, people are like, oh, what are your success metrics? Downloads? I'm like, did it help people be, <laughs> sorry, self-serving, curious about something that they didn't know anything about and kind of steer them in a new direction or get something on the radar that wasn't there and maybe shift their thought even ever so slightly? That's I, I That was a good day for me. That was a success. <laughs> that was a win. <laughs> Agreed. Sir, thank you so much. How do we... Uh, well, let's make it. How do we find the book? Go to your website. We, I, I'm going to go do your competency, uh, your, your your competency uh, test right now to check that out because I hadn't done that. What's the best ways to get a hold of yeah, you if someone can, wants to find out more? You, 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 I don't think you can penetrate the website without doing the competency, or at least without getting that annoying drop. Down I did get that a couple says, times, hey, but I was curious. So I, I didn't do it. I saw it, yeah. but I didn't do it. I'll be honest. <laughs> Dailyundoing.com. Okay, fantastic. And Just and stay tuned for upcoming all. podcast episodes. <laughs> I hope so. And Instagram, LinkedIn, undoing it. 
is uh, is really that's how I discovered you. Um, it's funny for an old guy. I've met more uh, and super interesting Calgarians through Instagram of all places, and um, I, I know that I'm way out of the target market there, but it's. I, I, I caught wind of Tyler Chisholm and, and many others on that same platform. I appreciate that. And I, I'm a firm believer that uh, tools and social media and all those things, it's much more about the psychographics and the dynamics of that individual, not necessarily about their age. Because there's a whole bunch of cool platforms that you and I don't even know to even talk about right now that are that your 16-year-old daughter and my 17-year-old nephew are probably using right now. But yeah, I find that there's, a, there's millennial-like tendencies, as I've heard someone say to me, oh, yeah, yeah, but just because you're older doesn't mean you don't have those tendencies, which brings you into that sphere of where all that communication is happening. <laughs> Oh, that's a whole other yeah, but the, Boom. Uh, yeah. Did down. you really need to open up a new topic at the end? David, thanks so much for coming on. I loved our chat. I see future chats on the horizons on a park on a park bench. Summer's summer's around the corner. COVID's leaving us. Let's let it be that. And uh, you and I will absolutely chat again. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Tyler. It was great.